Hello and welcome to episode number 390 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is January 1st, 2024. I am Rollo McFlugel. With me is Slappy Jones. Show notes page for this episode will be mcflugel.com slash 390. I can't believe I got the date right on the first try. Yeah, good job. Yeah, it normally takes me halfway through February. Mm-hmm. So, Slappy, did you get a, uh, how's your new year going? Uh, it's great. Great. Good, uh, good. Yeah, no problems. New year, new Slappy. That's right. I'm changing everything this year. Good, good. Um, do you, I don't ever really do New Year's resolutions. No. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> I've never done one, and I never will. No. I generally avoid the gym in January. Uh, um, I have to wait for everyone else's resolutions to die. Yeah, it is kind of. I've been, I've been spotty at the gym the last little bit, so I can't really complain about other people. And I also tried to put on some weight this week's. You know, had we had Advent and tried to do some fasting and everything. Yeah. And then uh, really, you know, had to celebrate feast. Through the octave of Christmas. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's actually, I was planning on working out a lot this week, but uh, ended up getting an injury. So that kind of put a hampering on things. That'll do it. Yeah. And a frustrated, I'll go through it. It's kind of embarrassing. It's in the kitchen, of course. Well, on on Christmas Day, I was slicing the ham that I cured and smoked, and it was, it was delicious. And uh, I was getting towards the end, and I think for being, you know, just an amateur cook, if you will, um, I think I have pretty good knife skills. Who'd you stab? Uh, myself. Mm. The knife slipped on, slipped on me, and it sliced, just like chopped down on my uh, left pointer finger. Along the uh, that, so you're down a digit. No, I didn't. Didn't I didn't go through the bone. Okay. Um, but it like bled pretty well, but it was fine. Like, well, it wasn't that bad. I didn't need like stitches or anything. I just I just wrapped it up, and it uh, but it was annoying. I you know wrapped it up and it was I was frustrated because I don't like to get those sorts of injuries. And then on uh on Tuesday. I think it was I was baking bread I was baking bread mostly for the breadcrumbs because I don't buy store-bought breadcrumbs I just make my own um because I'm that pretentious kind of guy uh, and so I was I baked my bread in, in in a Dutch oven and I had two Dutch ovens going normally I'm breaking baking bread I probably Usually only have one going. And the way you bake bread in a Dutch oven is what you preheat the oven, you preheat the Dutch oven with the lid on. And so when it's time to put the bread in, you have to open the Dutch, take the lid off the Dutch oven, throw the dough in, and put put the lid back on. And so the oven's 475 degrees. I go in, open the oven, get a uh, what's a Potholder 
take the lid off, put it on the stove, throw the dough in, put the lid back on, the pot holder, take the other lid off, put it on the stove, put the dough in the other one. And then for some reason, normally what I do is I leave the pot holder on the handle just so that there's I don't forget because I have burnt my, you know, hand before and everything. But I not only grabbed the 475 degree cast iron the channel live lid, I lifted it. Um, so I got my pointer finger, middle finger, and thumb, and then on the top of my uh, my ring finger on my right hand, mm. and it wasn't great. So the rest of that night, I spent dipping those fingers in a glass of ice water. And then just, you know, it's right. It kind of actually looks like I was trying to um, burn off my uh, my fingerprints. Because <laughs> that's where I got it for the most part. So uh, it just kind of, you well, realize you how. Rob anyone or do anything, yeah. you might as well do it now. Right. Well, you really no, I can't because it it would hurt too much. Mm. Now it wasn't like I was going through excruciating pain the whole you know all this. It was, yeah, definitely second degree burns. Is they, this they, your uh, boating accident story for the crime you recently committed? Perhaps. Yeah. But it um, it just messes everything. Like when you're right handed and it's your right hand, yep. and those three fingers, like you you you'd use them for everything. They're important ones. And so, but like, you know, like I said, the pain after that first night, the pain really wasn't that bad. But you kind of like, whether you're trying to or not, you just naturally like protect that. Um, and also, I was trying to be careful with not doing too much because I didn't want to like inadvertently rip the blister. Mm hmm. And then have that exposed skin. So um, that's that's my excuse for not going to the gym and lifting. Um, I did go on my bike for a while. So I did ride that. It didn't, didn't not do anything. But, you know, I'm just worried about, I think this is legit. I don't want to be grabbing weights, throwing, putting them over my head, and then shoot a little bit of pain in a finger and, you know, shift or something. So I took the uh, took the week off from lifting. Mm. People may judge that as they may. I will. Um so anyway. Uh I guess we got to talk about, you know, the Eagles want to make uh you know, they want to add some drama to their Super Bowl run. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they're doing. All right, I um I didn't even watch the second half. Um, <clears throat> well, the, the defense didn't play the second half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, see what happens. At least, at least we don't have to uh, piece through. Yeah. Uh, the ineligible receiver. <laughs> On a two-point conversion. Uh, yeah, that was that's a shame. Um, I I don't that it, that one. That's a mystery. I don't like so. You, 
eligibility and all that kind of stuff and being covered or uncovered on the line of scrimmage like that, that just is a black box of confusion and I don't really understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing though, is that if you're the lions and you go and check in as eligible and then the refs announce the wrong number, which is from my understand is what happened. Yeah. Is the, like, I understand that if you go like, no, 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 it's this guy that like, like might mess up the, the play a little bit and undo the disguising of it. But if the refs don't know who's supposed to be eligible and you intend to throw him the pass, or at least he's going to run downfield. Like, Here's the thing, like you practice these plays all season, all year. I mean, these are the plays you have in your back pocket for when you need them and you practice them every week and they over the top stress checking in because that's a rule and everyone knows it's a rule and you have to do it. And there's no way, and you know, we don't have the audio, but there's no way that guy walked up to the ref and said anything other than I'm eligible on this play. There's no chance, like, it doesn't, there's no way he didn't check in. That There's just, it didn't happen. There's no right. possible way that he forgot or didn't say it. <laughs> it just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all. Yeah, there's no way. They, they practice that play so many times and you always have plays like this and you usually never use them. And it's like, we practice it every week and never used it. They were ready for it. They knew what it was going to be. He definitely checked in. It makes no sense. The call made no sense. Yeah, well, I mean, the refs did, they, because they have to make an announcement on the stadium, right? Yes, and they announced a different number. Right. Um, I'm guessing the rep, but that's like, so you could put it back on the player and say the rep, but if you go check in and the ref says okay and then, gets the wrong number. Like, yeah, but it's like on they, the player. No, I'm not saying it's on the player, but but I'm just saying like if you want to See, know, here's the other thing. They, they're they not know. listening to the announcer on the field. Like you're focused on what your job is. It's noise all game. Yeah, you you hear it, but you're not like focused on it. And the announcer isn't the official either, I don't think. I, I mean, unless there's an official who gets is. on the PA. I thought it um, was the official. That so he, he went out and announced it. Well, at that point, you can't stop. Like, I mean, you could maybe call a timeout if they had any. I don't know if they even had a timeout. Um, but you can't, like, get out of your stance and be like, wait a second. Yeah, I guess if the official if the official turns on his mic and says the guy's eligible, like that's just a shame. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like I'm trying to, I mean, far be it for me from like trying to defend the referees because there's no defense like, of it. It's you. They screwed I'm up. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to defend the refs. No, I know uh, what you're saying, but they. But screwed I'm just up. saying, like, if if like, I'm just saying that there was there an opportunity for the Lions to have like caught it i mean possibly i guess i mean i don't know like 
if I go over to the ref and I say I'm eligible on this play and get down, like you're then focused on what you got to do. In your mind, you check that box. In everyone else's mind, the box is checked. You're focused on the play. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, could you have gone back to the ref and then said, no, 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 it's me who's eligible. I, maybe. I mean, they announced it, I guess, while you're getting lined up. I don't know that they huddled. They did huddle, maybe. I can't remember. I saw the video. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, and I guess because in my head, I'm like, well, no one on the on the lines, like no one on the sidelines, but they're not all getting the play. It's like there's only a few people that know. The other thing, too, unless the rules have changed at lower levels, like when you play high school football, college football, you just have to know that the guy on the end of the line is eligible. But you don't have to check in and tell the other team I'm an eligible receiver. Right. You just, when you line up the defense, you count and you see, okay, this guy's on the end of the line. He's an eligible receiver. We have to count for him. For some reason in the NFL, they make you do that. It's just, I guess they're throwing the, throwing the defense. Well, he was, every other he was, he defense. was lined up in a, in the normal tackle spot. Yeah, but he was on the end of the line, so he wasn't covered, which makes him an eligible receiver. So if, even if it was like a high school game, and le- again, unless the rules have changed in the last couple of years. In high school, I thought he was. I thought there was a receiver on his end, or did he move? No, he's not covered. So that guy's not on the line. He's in the backfield. Because if you're covered, you're not eligible. Even if you're both, if you have two split ends and they're both on the line, the inside one is not an eligible receiver. Right. They have to be in the backfield, and that's, you know, how they were lined up. But I'm saying, like you. So, all right, I'm sure this is everyone wants to hear this, but I, I try because I, like I said earlier, I don't understand the cover, uncover yeah. thing very well. So, let's say you had a you had a formation where you had your five offensive linemen, you know, as as it is normal, and then all of your eligible receivers on the right side. Yeah. The left tackle would be eligible. Yes. And then assuming you would have two guys, I mean, you have to have um, your uh, seven guys on the line of scrimmage. Oh, oh okay. so your other guy on the other side would be covered and not eligible. I see. But they do so that a lot good. of times. They'll put two tight ends, two tight ends on the same side and have a tackle eligible. I got it. Okay. So the inside tight end is not an eligible receiver because he's not on the end of the line. Right. Okay. So that that's why they're because they had the other lineman on the right side of the right tackle. And yeah. so it was as if yeah. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know why the NFL needs that rule. Um like it's it's not like you know, it's obviously a trick play to throw the ball to a tackle. Right. But he's generally not going to burn you for a deal. Like, I don't know why it's a rule that you have to announce that you're an eligible receiver. You're on the end of the line. You're an eligible receiver. Yeah. And every seemed- time the defense lines up, you count because you have rules on how you cover one and two, depending on what defense you're called. One and two being one being the outside receiver, two being the second one in. So if they're both in the backfield, you're calling that out. And if you have two tight ends on the other side or a tight end and a split end on the other side, the line, it's an unbalanced line. That's what it's, you know, that's what they call it. Like, it's very clear to a defense. I don't know why they have to announce it in the NFL. I wonder if it had to do with when they used to have the rules for 
uh, eligibility with numbers. Oh, well, yeah, that's that. I mean, but it it's a rep, and then, so, well, I'm I saying that like the, the rule went in. I don't remember what year it was, but I remember I was like, that's weird that they have to do that. Um, you know, because your whole life playing football, it was find the guy on the end of the line. Because he's still a tackle. He's just tackle eligible. He doesn't like yeah. change his position. And the numbers yeah. were for positions. Right. Yeah, I guess in the you know players had to be. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense. Why would they make it like the highest level of football? Make it spoon fed. Like if I had the ca- I like I I did. We when I was coaching high school football, I we you know taught our players, and you have to recognize it. And we'd see it on film, and we said they have an unbalanced line here. Is you know, we, so our players at the high school level could recognize an unbalanced line. Right. Yeah, that like, <laughs> well, that's like I forget. Was it last week we were talking? We were talking about there's just too many rules in the NFL. Yes, there are. And I think this is a great example. Yeah, and it just the more rules there are, the tougher the ref's job is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's especially with so many rules that are like judgment calls. Right. Yeah. It's not a clear roughing the passer. Like, well, the rule says yeah. if you touch his helmet and, like, literally a finger will graze the quarterback's helmet. Yeah. And they're throwing a flag. Pass interference, like, when you can uh, – when the receiver can grab the grab the, the cornerback by the collar and pull him down, and then that's pass interference on the defense. Yeah. It's, and the spot – it's just all, it's all crazy. It makes the game yeah. hard to watch. Yep. Although I guess their ratings would disagree with that, but I just I'm not into it like I used to be. I don't think that anyone like if you I don't think anyone would be like, you know what? I want to see more penalties. Yeah, I know. But they like the fantasy football and the scoring and the offense. Oh, of course. Like whenever there's a three nothing game, which is rare, but there was one this year. It's always this was the worst football game ever. It's like, right. I don't know. Maybe it was. Well, wasn't that like the Patriots versus uh, – I think that was <laughs> – I think that was one of the uh, uh, the Mac Jones specials. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's like the same thing with baseball is the, uh, you know, the, the one nothing pitcher's duels are – oh, it's so boring, but, you know, it takes a yeah. lot. It takes a lot to be able to hold a uh, – Hold a baseball team to no runs in nine innings. Or like the, I think, you know, another, the nothing, nothing, um, shutout, double shutout in hockey. Yeah. It's exciting because it's like the, the couple points really, really matter. A couple goals, I mean. Yeah, bounce, you know, a little thing can change the game. Yep. But like, anyway. like what we'll say is, I, I don't know if you watched that game, but, um, Earlier in the game, when Dallas scored their 90-something yard touchdown, the Barnes on... Uh, I did see that, yeah. On the Lions, like, I thought it looked... I didn't see exactly what happened, but I thought it looked weird. Like, I was like, I was watching, like, oh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna get a safety. Dove then, past him. Yeah, Prescott got away from him and just threw it up, and Lamb got it and scored. But And then they showed the replay, he just... He looked like he was playing running back and was 
chipping a, a defensive end coming he didn't in. didn't try to tackle him. I don't know what that was. I don't know. I don't – that just – you so rarely get a free shot at a sack to not wrap a quarterback up. I don't know what he I, – I mean, only he knows what was going through his head. The only time I've ever seen that is like, you know, you see uh, maybe a defensive back just try to, you know, hit, you know, put a shoulder in a guy. And doesn't wrap yeah, him up. someone out of bounds at the sideline. Right, and, and, like, he, and he, he absorbs a hit and keeps going. Like, oh, you should have wrapped him up. But this one was just like, you just didn't even, like, put a hit on him. Uh, you just, like, didn't do anything. Him. I don't know what – that was weird. Like, so, put, your, put your face mask in his chest and wrap him up. Yeah. So that was a, uh, a nine-point swing right there. Yeah. Why that had an effect on the game. Sure did. And you know what? The the Lions should have kicked a field goal earlier in the game, and they went for it stupidly and didn't get it. So, Oh, yeah. You get what you get. All the analytics people keep going for it. I hate. I Keep putting your defense in bad positions. I hate the analytics. It doesn't make sense because there's different talent on the field, and there's different matchups on the field. It's not dice. It's technical analysis for sports. Yeah, it's stupid. it's like in baseball. They they have, they have and I don't I don't not like looking at stats. I think they're interesting. And I think it was was it last week where I don't know if we were recording or just kind of talking, but like I think in in hockey, you're five on five uh, goals for versus goals against ratio is like a stat that will like show how good a team is. If your ratio is high that then like that's you're going to be a good team um that's like a good indicator um of a good team so there's certain things but like with baseball there's just like so many stats right now like i still don't understand what war is when it's above replacement i don't know how they calculate it but it's stupid that that is so stupid it's like oh this player if there wasn't another, if another player was playing game, then they would have had these fewer wins. Yeah, I don't know how they come up with that. It's um, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that yes, Bryce Harper in your lineup means you're probably more likely going to win than if he's not in your lineup. But it's just kind of like I, I guess do they assume that all players are equal at the professionals, and that's why analytics work? I I don't know. Because, like, if me and my friends went and played the Eagles, they're not 50% to convert on fourth down. They're 100%. Right. So are they, like, saying all professional players are equal and the matchups are equal and everything is equal? Like, I love when ESPN's like, they have a 62.4% chance of winning. It's like, I yeah. Know. Well, <laughs> my, favorite thing, that? <laughs> my favorite thing is, like, that when they show, like, the uh, I don't know if it's the next-gen stats or something. Just, you know, we're on a commercial, and they'll show, like, a replay of this, like, a fantastic catch or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, rewind it and show show the ball leaving the quarterback's hands and fra- and, and pause it. And be like, this, this play had a 12.82% chance of being complete. It's like, where does that come from? Is it just you're like, like not, do you get credibility by being really precise with the twelve point eight two? It's all fake. It's, like, it's all stupid. It's all made up. Like twelve percent on who? Based on what? How? Because I have a zero percent chance of catching it. Yeah. Well, it's it. Well, it's like the Phillies ran the uh, the Gabe Kapler experiment, and that's all how that yeah. worked out. It's just. It's just. This is why I actually think that Angels in the outfield represents 
a ruined uh, baseball. It ruined baseball. Is that what you're saying? No, it represented a more realistic and better way to um, manage or coach a game than the modern day analytics stuff. Because it's like you see the thing where it's like, oh, I think the kid's like, I think you should put so and so in. And like, why? He looks over and he sees he sees the angel massaging yeah. his shoulders. Yeah. Like that's feel. Yeah. You have a feel for your players. You know what's going on. Not like it, it drives me crazy watching, especially in the playoffs, because third time through the lineup, second time through the lineup. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, the twelve point eight percent chance of getting a hit versus this thirteen point one percent chance if you had this if on a Tuesday, and so. The analytics say he should replace the, oh, he's not, he's not changing the pitcher. So stupid. Yeah. I agree. Like, and it's kind of like, it's also the same thing with, you know, leaving Angel Hernandez to the side for this because he's just really bad balls and strikes umpire. The box, the strike, the strike zone box. It's like you'll have a pitch that will like miss by like a quarter of a pixel, and the umpire's terrible. Yeah, stop it. Yeah, it's uh, it's overkill. Yeah, but people aren't machines. And that's kind of the point I want to make. Right. Well, it's it's like with the analytics with like going on fourth down. It's like fourth and one. Um, should you go for it? It's like, well, the analytics say, you know, this one thing. It's like, well, are you the Philadelphia Eagles? If you are the Philadelphia Eagles and you have a fourth and one, yes, go for it. If you're another, if you're any other team, maybe depends on, you know, how confident you are with your guys. But like, that's a good example. Like not every team is, is made equal there. The Eagles just like are basically on only stop themselves. Only when they mess it up doing the, uh, the tush push. And, you know, if you put the backup quarterback in and, you know, backup center, I mean, is it the same analytics? Does the analytics change? Do, you know, I don't, maybe it changes. I don't know what they do. Yeah, but it's just uh, it's just stupid. And they started I just started noticing this week. I don't know if it's the first week they did it, but. You know, when a. They're going for it on fourth down or kicking a field goal. They have this little thing come up on the bottom of the screen and says, like, go for it or kick the field goal. And analytics say, go for it. It's just. It's so it just drives me crazy, too, because you. You have like a coach makes a decision. And it works and he's a genius. And then sometimes, or he makes, he doesn't make a decision, uh, or he makes a decision, it doesn't work. It's like, oh, I can't believe he did that. He should have done blah, 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 blah. Um, like you said, with Dan Campbell, with like, 
going for it every time and never kicking a field goal. That's different because it's like, all right, well, that's a philosophical kind of like disagreement. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's going to be plays where it's, it's kind of in, you take a shot or you take a shot. Um, you know, there, he, if he, he, they did a deep kind of deep in their own territory. They did a fake punt. Um, and they converted Mm -hmm. and he's, he's a genius for doing that. If they didn't make it, then he's a total idiot. Yep. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like analytics say that when it's, you know, well, sports reporters with... are generally morons too. Yes. Yes. Uh, commentators, not necessarily because a lot of them are former players. Yeah. It depends. depends on the guy. <laughs> but that's the thing with all coaching and all, especially, I mean, especially at the professional level, like, um, they all did something for like they're not guessing. Like you could right. sit here and say they don't run the ball enough, but you don't know what they're they scouted all week and saw, and you don't know what their personnel is doing, and what their injuries are, and well, what and, their and, matchups are, and it's like sometimes a team takes away something and they give you something. You have to take what they give you, and you know, and as a front as a defense, you'd be like, we'll take out their best player and let them beat us on the run. And then you're like, why don't you pass into AJ Brown? It's like, well, right. he's not open. They're not giving you AJ Brown. So you got to run the ball to beat the more vice versa. And nobody yeah. like, like these are, it doesn't mean every decision a coach makes is correct, but it's determined if it's correct, whether it's executed properly or not. It's like mm-hmm. Nick Saban in that game uh, tonight in overtime, fourth down three yard line and he does a quarterback draw that gets stuffed well is he an idiot now (laughs) like he obviously called that play for a reason they saw what the defense was doing i don't know that he called it or tommy reese called it or whoever but it's not like they just guessed right like michigan make like there's professional athletes or college athletes or scholarship athletes whatever on both sides of the ball and people make plays Mm -hmm. for some reason the coach is like a genius or an idiot whether his players make plays or not. Right. It's, it's all well, fun. What, what drove me crazy, too, watching the Eagles game was that, well, <laughs> many things drove me crazy, but on the topic of, you know, analytics and announcers, it was like in the beginning of the second half, they're complaining the Eagles weren't running the ball enough because uh, the Cardinals had given up like 8 billion yards running the week before. And you're like, and I agree, I think, you know, in my humble opinion, I think the Eagles are a run first team. Um, but uh, they were complaining that, like, in the first half, that the numbers were lopsided for passing. And it's like, and like the last five plays, six plays, they only passed the ball. It's like, because they ran, they had the ball three times in the first half and the last drive was a two minute drill. So you're not running the ball there. So it's like, yeah. it's like they've had, they've only run the place six times on 15 plays. Yeah. I mean, the defense could get the Cardinals off the field. Right. But it's like, yeah, you take out that two minute drill and they were even. 
Right. But like you can't even like you just are, are such a slave to just looking at numbers and stuff and the, well the numbers show this without like taking any of the situation into account. Yeah. Uh, that's why I always think it was funny. Like back when Andy Reid was coaching, I used to hear I used to follow a lot closely, closer, more closer, closely, closelier back then. Um, and people be calling up sports talk radio being like, they threw the ball 65% of the time. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Who cares? I know. Run the ball. Like maybe the reason Brian Westbrook is good is because he's not getting 30 carries a game. It's like, right. well, he got 15 carries and a hundred yards. Why didn't we give it to him 40 times? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you got to set up your plays. Like everything. And every, every offense has a philosophy and, uh, you know, it's just, it's all funny. I think, yeah, it, like there's just no way to know what a team is doing unless you're there every day. Mm-hmm. You can look at it and you can guess what they're doing, guess what they're thinking. Like Tony Romo, his first year in the booth was incredible, but he was right out of the game. He knew, um, certainly knew the Cowboys. He knew their coaching, their players, and you get a feel but he doesn't know what they talk about during the week. Right. You know, unless they were giving him inside access for some reason. Could have been. But my point is you only know if you're there, there's no way right. you can guess when you watch on TV. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing that is absolutely 100% sure is that all of us idiots who watch on TV know better than the guys who are paid millions to do it. Oh yeah. My favorite thing um, is being at a hockey game, being up in the nosebleeds on the power play, and you shoot. Well, in fairness, how many times have goals been scored without a shot? Um, it's happened. M- Morgan Frost did it kind of recently. Yeah, it's happened, but I mean, it's very. Let's look at the analytics on that. Yeah. Yes. Um. It is funny too that uh, watching the Flyers, and I'll be like, man, man, they're just like not getting any shots there. They're not taking, they're not taking shots. They're not getting any shots there. I look, uh, look up at the score, scoreboard, and it's like they have forty-five shots on goal. I'm like, oh, never mind. I don't know. I don't know what game I'm watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of their shots, like, well, not, well, whatever. I keep talking, but yeah. Anyway. So it's funny. Um, I did not uh, intend to be carrying on about this other stuff for so long because we're already 35 minutes in. Mm, and that's um, good. so we got to get to the meat of the episode. And uh, I know, Slappy, you've really been following the um, the crisis about conservative women baking cakes and how they're dressed. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Lighten me. Uh, if it's it's, uh, we're not going to talk about it. Oh. It's, it is so cra- like just the stuff, the stuff that I've been seeing people freak out about on Twitter. Um, it's kind of started with this like conservative women calendar kind of thing, and there's just people freaking out both ways saying like, ah, oh, this is, there's some scantily clad women in this and it's like, it's not good. And they'd be like, oh, what are you talking about? It's nothing. People show more skin on the beach. 
It's kind of like, uh, it is just such a cringe thing. I, all of it's so cringe. No, but there, there was something. I don't even want to get into it. I feel embarrassed that I've talked about what I've talked about. But yeah, just start just start scrolling through Twitter, Slappy, if you want to get up to speed on on this stuff that has been all over my Twitter. And uh, I wish it would just stop. But anyway, uh, I speaking of scrolling through Twitter, I was scrolling through Twitter and came across this tweet that I sent you, and I want to go through it because. Um, there's a lot of Bitcoiners right now are thinking that we are poised in this next year, uh, that Bitcoin's going to like rip everybody's faces off in a good way. Uh, apparently the SEC is supposed to give a final ruling or blessing or on, on the ETFs coming up. And if that is the case, I do think that, uh, yeah, it's going to probably make the price rip. Um, I know there's a lot of people like, oh, you shouldn't, you should hold Bitcoin, not the ETF. Yeah, I get that. Um, and uh, you know, unless you have a situation where you've got like a retirement account or something that's not easily converted into Bitcoin, which a lot of us do. Like, I have a 401k, and I have it because like my company gives me free money to have it um so if i could get exposure to bitcoin like through an etf for my 401k like i think that's a good thing and i think that's that's better than having in the stock market or whatever like so and and then there's just like the boomers that think that bitcoin's stupid once blackrock says like oh no no bitcoin's cool they'll be like all right yeah i can i can go through like my you know the desktop or the website that I'm used to and like click on buy Bitcoin through fidelity and I'll do that. Um, but anyway, it's just like an inevitability of this kind of stuff is going to happen. If Bitcoin's going to monetize, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to see it just start absorbing stuff like this and that institutions are going to start adopting it in the ways that they, will take on whatever asset they are um so regardless like you can't be surprised you can't be upset regardless of what you think about what an etf is and and this other financialization of bitcoin it's just the inevitability of it happening like if you think that people are going to adopt bitcoin this is the way that like it's going to get adopted along with the all the other stuff um and so, like, one of the things I'm wondering about this, Slappy, and jump in with your opinion on this, is that, like, I was talking to someone else about this recently, is I I still don't really have a handle on what, now, the general, like, the general population, their understanding of Bitcoin, like, they just don't. We know yeah. that. But, like, people in, like, finance and financial institutions and banks and all this kind of stuff like guys that are not ceos but like maybe middle or upper upper management type you know kind of higher level people um 
if they like get it at all or if someone that's kind of like relatively i don't know someone that's like managing a lot of money for chase or something who's bound to get some sort of exposure into bitcoin um like soon if he like what his knowledge of it is if he's someone that thinks like oh well yeah they'll just like if he has any like idea for example of the supply cap of bitcoin that there will only ever be 21 million of them if he understands that that's how it works if he believes that it's going to stay that way if he understands why it's important like i really don't know what a guy like that thinks and because it's it's relevant because if they don't understand it then they're going to get caught kind of blind potentially blindsided by what bitcoin's going to do and so you have these people that are like you know let's say good at their jobs they're good at managing money they wouldn't be there if they weren't now you could say all the things that you want about the fiat system and everything but like people that are good at their jobs seemingly intelligent people that are just like utterly ignorant about bitcoin uh I don't know. What do you, what do you, do you have any opinion on what you think these, how, how these guys think about Bitcoin? I mean, it's, um, at this point, if you're just existing, like you have to acknowledge Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, real quick, I did just search for conservative calendar and I found it. I don't know who most of these people are. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know who most of them were either. Catalina Loof, Lauf. I don't know. Brittany Jean. I've heard of Ashley St. Clair on Twitter. Yeah. Peyton Drew, never heard of. Riley Gaines is a swimmer. Kim Classic. Classic. Clackick. Don't know her. Bethany Bartlett, don't know her. Anyway. Um, what do I think normal people think about Bitcoin? Well, not normal people because we know that answer. Yeah, but I'm nothing. talking about people, um, people yeah. who, <laughs> people that are like in financial institutions. So you were looking at the yeah, calendar I think, while um, I was trying to t- explain. Yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't listening to you. I apologize. But if we're talking about people in finance who have awful opinions on Bitcoin, which we hear all the time, is that well, not what that you're they? No, 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 not that they have awful opinions. It's just that they don't. We don't know what their opinions are. It's just like a guy who like manages a lot of money. Oh. Or manages something, a lot of something. He's not like a CEO. He's not like super high level. Yeah, um, I think I think you're just trained like it's just like in academia, in, in a way. Like, um, you know, you go to med school and you learn this, and you learn that this is how you figure things out, and then you go out in the world and you go refer to this book, and this is how you do it, and that's just how it's done. And I think that's kind of what it is. With finance is. You get in the business and maybe you're managing money. Um, you read all kinds of books on managing money, on all different kinds of philosophies on how to pick stocks and pick investments. And the idea of sound currency never even enters the discussion. It's like not even yeah. an option. So it's not even on your radar. And then you hear someone say, well, it's sound money. And you go, okay, but I know what I've been doing this for 25 years and I've gotten this return in these many years. Like, 
I think I would know about sound money if someone brought it up to me. It's just you kind of like, um, and that's not to say like they could be really smart people, but right. they've built a career on doing what they do and they're good at what they do. And so outside things just never enter the discussion. It's never even a option. And then you hear about this internet thing and you're like, I'm trading, you know, fortune 500 companies and you're talking about an internet program with like a bunch of nerds. What are you talking about? Like, this isn't real. Yeah. Well, and in fairness to them, you know, in my industry, if, you know, just some people on the internet started coming up and saying like, oh, actually all this stuff about, um, like everything you're doing about refining is wrong. It can be right. done better this way. Yeah. You'd I'd be, be like, like, uh, thanks. Yeah. I think we'll stick to what we're doing. And, exactly. and I don't mean when I, when I said all that, I don't mean that as like a, um, taking a shot. I just think that's just, no, no, that's, that's why, that's why I brought up my industry because I would have a similar, like, right. Now, obviously, I would argue that it's different and like the physics and the math that <laughs> we operate on is real. But, you know, it doesn't mean that there's not innovation that could happen. There's not stuff that we don't you know, because there's a lot of black, you know, I'll call it black magic in my industry. Is it like you kind of know what's going on, but it's it's like it's difficult. You know, engineering is a hard thing to do because there's, you know you know, 8,000 bits of information and you get four of them and you have to make a decision that right. it's going to complete the mission based on, based on those four pieces of information that you know, out of eight bajillion. And if you're making a good living in finance, you're not looking for things. You're not looking for that. You're looking for things that are in, well, I shouldn't say that because everyone's looking for the next investment, but it has to be in your like, in your funnel, like the things that make sense in your world. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm saying, right. But like hedge fund managers, they can open up to a lot more things and they're looking at different type of real estate, like all the, your, your bag of goods that, that you're allowed to do in finance and, and, and taking a huge risk in their mind on Bitcoin. Like, are you really going to, if you're making half a million dollars, if you're making a hundred thousand dollars, Make 150, whatever, doing finance. Are you really that concerned? Like there will be a few people, but if you're making big money, like half a million plus, you're not looking at. But who cares? I know what I'm doing. You can't. Some some guy who who never did any finance in his life and you know got lucky because he bought Bitcoin when it was under a hundred dollars in their head, in their mind. Um, what's he going to tell me about this? I built this thing. I worked hard. I outcompeted everyone else in this industry to get the returns I got. Like, you're not going to tell me anything. Yeah. And I get it. Um, you know, I can just imagine be like having a conversation with these guys and like, well, what's your background? Like, oh, I learned it. Um, uh, engineer, from the internet. I, I yeah, I, I talked to people on the internet and I bought some. <laughs> And I read some books about read economics books. And, and Bitcoin. Yeah. And I know economics better than you. Um, <laughs> and they'll say, no, you don't. I know. So. Well, it's funny because I had a, I had some – I remember I was on a, at a bachelor party for uh, a college friend. And this was, this was a while ago. This was before I was – I, I think I would have had some Bitcoin, but I don't think I really would have – 
this was before like the run up and everything. So I really didn't understand Bitcoin very well, but I at least like kind of understood fiat. At least it was bad and that we, you know, just being able to print money. I remember being out and talking to a couple of my friends at the bachelor party that were finance guys and they were like laughing in my face. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and just like almost like high fiving each other, laughing about how stupid I was for saying like, they just print new money and like, they don't have a print. They don't print just print money out of no that's not how it worked oh oh and i would say something and they would go <laughs> it was like like we're saying in fairness to them like if i if i wasn't a libertarian and didn't you know didn't have an opinion on the fed i just took the fed as a given i probably wouldn't have bought bitcoin back then well, if you go through your four years of school and then your job and everything, and yeah. it's like, well, what happens is that like the well, the well, the treasury creates a treasury bill, and then the Federal Reserve buys the treasury bill by debiting the blah 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 blah. So it's not just like it's not look just, at all that stuff that's happening. Money. Yeah, look at all that stuff that's happening between the treasury and all that stuff. They're just not. They just can't. They're just not creating money. Yeah. Um. So all of that kind of intro is just to say that, like, there are otherwise intelligent people out there whose opinion on many things might be good, but it doesn't mean that they have a good understanding of Bitcoin and that they should be listened to at all. Um, and it's just interesting. It's just interesting seeing a lot of takes on Bitcoin. And just how like utterly ignorant they are <laughs> and and it's frustrating and it's and it's goofy and it's weird. And um, it's amazing that even people that are kind of like in the Bitcoin space. Or adjacent to it that really don't know what's going on, we kind of lament about this, about a lot of people on Bitcoin Twitter is it's just very obvious. They don't actually understand what they're saying. They're just very good tape recorders and, and can repeat back mm -hmm. very eloquently what they heard, but they don't understand what's going actually on because like when the rubber hits the road on stuff, they're like freaking out as opposed to being like, well, you like, why are you so concerned about this? Like with the ordinal stuff. And we did an episode about ordinals earlier in 2023. And we're just kind of like, yeah, I mean, yeah, they could make the block size or the, the, block fees spike up a lot because they're putting a lot of data, you know, on through Bitcoin and then they got to bid it up to fit something that big. So yeah, it's going to make things more expensive, but it doesn't seem like a very smart play because it's just, it's going to be really expensive for them to do that <laughs> because yeah. if the fee rate is 200, uh, um, 200 sats per, per byte, and I'm sending a 140 byte transaction. So my fee will be 200 times 140. So many sats I owe, whatever that is. Versus a guy that's trying to put a JPEG file that's 750 kilobytes. 
like that's that's a much like he's an order of magnitude higher price than what I'm paying. Like he's he's paying almost ten thousand um, times. He's paying for a, a transaction that's like ten thousand times the size of mine. Right. So that's yeah. Like I can yeah. It's it's expensive for me, relatively speaking, but it's not terrible. So when I'm moving my monthly transaction over to the exchange so I can liquidate some Bitcoin to pay pay those monthly expenses, sure, I'll pay $8 for that because I'm moving enough money to pay my credit card bill, my mortgage, and a couple other things. So you can imagine that $8 into a you know large transaction as far as how much fiat's going through it once a month, like, okay, versus, oh, I'm trading. So I'm having transactions go back and forth all the time and I have to pay a hundred bucks to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing this five times a day. Like these people are just going to impoverish themselves pretty quickly. And so you're like, okay, yeah, it's going to be painful and annoying for a while while they do that, but they're just going to run out of money. So we talked about this. And everyone I thought seemed to be on the same page, but now over the last couple of months, fees have gone up. And now it's like we're actually in this. It's actually playing out. And you have people just like they're like robots that got water poured on them, freaking out about it and like trying, like panicking on what they think needs to be done. It's like, well, I thought we talked about this. But but clearly they didn't actually understand what was going on. Um, so I came across this tweet today by Jeremy Kaufman. He's a uh, he's a pretty active guy in the libertarian movement, especially up in uh, in New Hampshire. He also was the guy behind uh, Libri or Library, which was that uh, Odyssey website that was supposed to be like a decentralized youtube oh nice yeah so we could talk about that a little bit because that'll kind of be relevant to this tweet but i posted this on december 27th and it was um there's this video clip of vivek ramaswamy is that his name yep the republican presidential candidate yeah. By the way, I heard he's not actually even eligible to run for president. Is that so? I, that's what I heard one time. I don't know. Uh, is, he, is he born in America? I, th- I think he like wasn't or something. Uh. Let me see. Uh, I'm getting getting sidetracked already. We've been sidetracked like I don't know. This he was born in Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't know. Is he 35? Never mind. He's 38. Never mind. Those are the only rules I know. I don't know. I'm sure there's others. Yeah. But um, he was on this thing. I don't know what this is, but there's it's just like a short little video clip. And the thing at the bottom says stand with crypto. And the background of where he's sitting has it stand with crypto all over it. So, um. 
the first in the nation crypto presidential forum. Okay, so like I guess there's some cryptocurrency kind of thing hmm. where they're trying to, you know, get these get these uh, candidates' opinions on 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 this kind of stuff. And the question was, and this was just this is a 15 second clip, so I don't know what else they talked about, but. Apparently the question is like, oh, well, can you tell us about your your cryptocurrency portfolio and kind of what you have? Which is a goofy question. Um, like, what's your stock portfolio? What's your bank account look like? Yeah, it drives me crazy that people think that like, and it happens all the time. It probably happens to you too. Mm-hmm. You get the question like, you talk about Bitcoin, so it goes, well, how much do you have? Yep. I'm like, I'm not gonna tell you that. Like, ah, oh, come on. Like why? Why do you think that's okay to to ask? How much money is in your checking account? What's in your four hundred one k? Oh, is you, you're kind of offended I would ask that. So why do you think it's okay to ask me how much Bitcoin I have? Stupid. That like that. Ugh. It's, it's not stupid. It's actually incredibly arrogant and ignorant. Yeah. Uh, but Vivek kind of gave a kind of standard answer. He's just like, oh, I have a third party manage my finances. Which is a polite way of saying like, yeah, screw off. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jeremy Coffin, uh, you know, had that had that clip and he posted a little thing. So uh, Slav, you want to read it or you want me to? Sure, I got it up here. Okay. So he says, cryptocurrency is 14 years old, yet all the Coindesk interviewer can ask Vivek here is what cryptocurrencies he's investing in. He's investing in. The interviewer doesn't ask how Vivek is using cryptocurrency. He doesn't ask what products or services or apps are being used. He doesn't ask what Vivek is buying or doing online that he couldn't before. He asks what cryptocurrencies Vivek is buying and letting sit, hoping they go up in value. It's possible the fiat monetary system will collapse and cryptocurrencies will replace it. It could be a smart bet to buy Bitcoin if you think that will happen. Cryptocurrency was supposed to be so much more than this. It was supposed to give average people the ability to financially transact that governments couldn't control. It was supposed to make possible uncensorable apps, uncensorable financial markets, and so much more. But essentially, none of that has happened. None of it has happened. And while government itself is partially to blame, a huge part of the problem is that almost no one working in cryptocurrency thinks of it as anything other than something you buy to make number go up. It makes me sad. Does it make you sad, Slappy? No. (laughs) It's funny. Um, Before we started recording, we were talking about – immigration and how that the cycle in the libertarian circles is is happening again it was like seven years ago that uh that immigration was like the hot topic controversial thing going on and now it seems to be happening again it's the same same argument same stuff happening um and Around that time too, that was the beginning of the run-up of the price of Bitcoin, and you had all the, like the altcoins coming up and everything. And this was what, J- what Jeremy's talking about right now, was basically all of the kind of the, the basis of the argument 
back then for all of the altcoins and stuff. Yep. Because it's like, yeah, oh, you Bitcoin people, you just you saying Bitcoin needs to be a store of value. Well, we want to use cryptocurrency. It needs we need to have apps. We need to have the killer app. We need it to, uh, you know, to do stuff, not just like. You're not just like sitting on it and wait like oh it's that you're not using it you're just so it's it's funny that like people still haven't gotten off that and you know bringing up the ordinal stuff again i saw today and it's there's there's it's actually coming out that a lot of these guys that are pumping the ordinals and stuff um are actually bcash and bsv guys the big blockers oh, and of course they're kinda, and they're using it on you know very explicitly saying like Bitcoin has a throughput problem and we need to raise the block size because of ordinals. And it's it's just it's just the same arguments all over again. Um it's not even like it's just their the way they're approaching it is slightly different, but they have not innovated on their arguments at all. It's the same exact thing. Right. So it's it's just kind of ah, it's funny. Um, I don't understand, and I see this, and like we have our podcast, and we've been talking about the get on zero stuff, and and talking about how Bitcoin fixes this, and going through the economics and everything. And it's just amazing to me that people can apparently be ignorant of what's going on in Bitcoin, or at least like what the arguments are for it, that like Bitcoin is being used. And and saving is a use case, um, but the, like, okay, it's like this stuff needs to be. Ta- it takes a while. How do you think if you're if you're going to change the monetary system? How would you think it's going to look? You think people are just going to like wake up one day and just be like, oh, I'm going to start using blah blah blah. Coin. Well, guess what, honey? We have new money. Right. Oh, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to go to the Acme this afternoon, so I better get my Acme coin so I can buy stuff at Acme. And then I'm going to go to Lowe's later, so I got to get my Lowe's coin so I can pay pay for the stuff at Lowe's. Um, oh, I want to watch TV. Better have a TV coin so I can, you know, watch that. And then uh, I, I want to drive my car, so I get car coin and uh, so I can drive my car because we have to tokenize everything. It's it's goofy. Um, also, just in defense of this interview, where it's just like a fifteen second clip. I'm sure right. it was. I'm sure this interview was longer than fifteen seconds. Right. Um, but like, I think it is. It's reasonable, I think, to ask. Like this, or it's 14 years old. You know, at least Bitcoin is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny too because this this is also uh, maybe I'm getting nitpicky, but like <laughs> Bitcoin didn't just like pop out of nowhere 14 years ago. Like there's a lot of stuff going on before that. It was just the next. It was the next iteration of of these attempts at technology at digital money. And they, they finally figured it out and it finally worked. Um, so I think it's kind of 
misleading to say that like oh it's it's 14 years old and a novel right thing we haven't yeah. done that much but if you go back to when all this stuff first started the people were like the fiat system isn't good we need to figure out a way to not have this all of a sudden the 14 years out of out of that doesn't seem like such a long time and so maybe when we see that it's like oh it's 14 years but it's been decades that they've been trying to figure something else figure something out and so maybe <laughs> maybe perhaps um when you take that uh take that step back you gain an appreciation for how things are moving um i mean 14 years even four years ago if we were saying that like blackrock was ready to launch an etf for bitcoin yep would you would you have said that was going to happen in four years i mean it's it's like there's there's a lot no, going I remember, on because i remember talking to vague uh, it was probably 20 i forget when it was maybe Ramaswamy? <laughs> yeah um and I remember him saying he thinks Bitcoin will go up to 50K in, in like a couple of years. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's uh, aggressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I forget what I was going to say. Um, You're talking about Black BlackRock coming out with a. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so like. You know, you got BlackRock and a couple other major players that are trying to roll out a Bitcoin ETF. You've got El Salvador has already made Bitcoin legal tender. <laughs> and, uh, and like, really doing a lot down there. And, you know, some other stuff going on. And you're going to be like, nothing's happened. Yeah. This is, this is so sad. It's such a disappointment. Um, nothing's being built. Although there, there's just, there's just like so much infrastructure that's being built on Bitcoin. I mean, that was that was a thing. Ago, ten years ago, the price was going down. I, I don't have my chart in front of me, but I believe the price hit twelve hundred and was on its way down to like two hundred. Yes, dollars. And you're telling me ten years ago, someone said in twenty twenty four it would be forty five thousand dollars. That anyone would have said nothing happened with Bitcoin. Right. Well, it yeah, it's it's just the mindset of these these people that love the scam coins. It's it's so bizarre. Yeah. They just will gaslight you into believing that like this stuff never happened or well it's just like the, the big block thing. The big block thing before was Bitcoin can't scale. And uh you need a scaling solution because everything needs to happen on chain. And then people are like, Well, there's a lightning network. And people go, oh, that's vaporware. And yeah. that's not going to work. And now, like, the Lightning Network works really, really well. <laughs> and it's, like, mm -hmm. built out pretty well. And there's discussions about other scaling things on top of the Lightning Network. Uh, and a lot of stuff, a lot of innovation happening there. So, again, like, you're saying, like, nothing's being built. And, yeah, like, that's the kind of stuff that, yes... Lightning's good. It's going to make number go up. This other stuff with Bitcoin, it's going to make number go up. But that's important. If you want this thing to last, if you want to have staying power, why why is not the most important metric for something that's trying to become the monetary standard 
that it's not the the purchasing power is not going to go up. That is, man, you want to talk about analytics like we were before? Like this is actually the analytics, the numbers thing that you're looking at. You know, it's you need to be have some patience, and that's why when you have like these bear markers and the price is going down, you're like, ah, it's frustrating, but it's, you know, overall it's going to go up. And people are like, well, it's going down, so how could it be doing what you say it's going to? It's like it's not going to be. There's price discovery. It takes a while. But overall, I mean, I don't think anyone can say that Bitcoin's done anything than go on an upward trajectory. I think anyone that would say otherwise is kind of insane. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just it's funny, but I get I don't know. I don't know what is. You know, what's bouncing around Jeremy's head, but you know, it's worth bringing up what we said earlier about his his library and the Odyssey thing. So he decided he wanted to make a um, basically a quote unquote decentralized YouTube um, because of like the censorship issues with YouTube. I mean, it's a They've got centralized servers. You want to upload a video, and so you upload it to YouTube servers. And if YouTube decides that they don't like what you put or they don't like you, then they can just delete the video. They can delete your account. They can unmonetize your videos. They can do any any number of things um, that aren't great. And so he came up with, you know, basically YouTube on the blockchain, I guess. Right. Um, and like the whole idea of it's kind of silly because in order for it to actually be decentralized, you know, anyone that's using it, you know, just because you upload a video to this system (laughs) doesn't mean you're taking advantage of the, of decentralization. If you're not running a fully validating node, then you're not taking advantage of it. And if your if your blockchain is trying to you know run video, that means that everyone has to have a copy of every single piece of information. It's not going to be it. decentralized. Yeah, it's just that's such a massive amount of data that no one's going to be able to run that hardware. And so it's just anyone that's actually going to do it is just going to if they like, want to run a node, it's going to be outsourced. So I, I it's kind of funny they, that like. Like I get the concept. The idea would be really cool, right? A decentralized YouTube, like you said. But if you're actually going to put it into practice, that doesn't cross your mind. Right. Like you didn't think of that and go, this will never work. Mm-hmm. And then he got like sued by the government. Um, and they basically, I don't, I don't know if they actually shut it down. But like. For all intents and purposes, I think like the government won their lawsuit against him. Oh, interesting. Um, and so <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, it's, I think that's why he might have said like, while government itself is partially to blame, it's like, yeah, like y- your project failed because it was doomed. Yeah, because it wasn't a good idea. Like this stuff needs to be government hard. You know if if like 
what the government did to Jeremy and his stuff, they could not do to Bitcoin. <laughs> like he was the CEO. Mm-hmm. That's actually in his Twitter problem. Looking at it right now, it's his former CEO of, of Library.com. Like, oh, so if, if the government wants to go after Bitcoin, they're going to go after the Bitcoin CEO. Uh, what's Satoshi Nakamoto's phone number? Yeah, give him a call. So, like, if, if you know, you're looking for these uncensorable apps, uncensorable financial markets and all this other stuff, like, it just, it doesn't work. It's impractical. It's silly. And... It's not like, you know, we needed experiments on this and like you were the, you know, the, the honorable soldier that went out and sacrificed himself um, for the purposes of exploration. No, <laughs> we're all predicting this. We're all saying mm-hmm. it very clearly on, on no uncertain terms that like, no, you are not government hard. The government can knock on your door and threaten you and say, uh, you better do what we tell you or else we're going to make your life really, really terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's unreasonable to expect anyone to do anything other than capitulate. Sure, the guy's got a family. <laughs> he doesn't want to go to prison. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's you can't project, you know, failures of of bad ideas onto the onto Bitcoin. And so, like, this is why you just people have to get out of this crypto mindset. Um, because when you when you lump Bitcoin together with all this other crap, well, of course it looks bad. But that's why, like, man, you need to like think about like what is the actual goal of Bitcoin? What are we trying to accomplish here? We're trying to take money out of the hands of the state. That's it. I say that's it, but there's a lot of stuff that comes from that afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's focus on that. Let's separate that from all the other, you know, ideas that are floating out there. So, I think. We are still very, very early. Yeah, if you haven't bought, buy. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't put it past the stand with crypto thing to have like that was the most intellectually interesting thing that they asked Vivek Ramaswamy was. So, what are cryptocurrencies you invested in? Yeah. Um. I mean, the fact that it's just like a stand with crypto thing, and that's just. It's going to be silly. Um, yeah. But it just it just means we're so early. Um, even a guy like uh, Malay Malay Malay, I still don't know how to Argentina. Pronounce. Yeah, he's still kind of like, you know, not. He's not really a Bitcoin guy. He's not against it, but he's not a Bitcoin guy at the same time. Um, and you would think that for someone who's 
doing all the stuff that he's apparently trying to do. Uh, you'd think he would be. Yeah. Um. So man, we're just we're just still so 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 early, and that's why I was kind of saying before about these like hedge fund managers and these guys in financial institutions. Like if they don't know what's coming with Bitcoin. That's why it's like all these people say stuff like, oh, well, the ETF is priced in or the halving's priced in. Like, what does it really mean? What does that mean? Do these guys understand what all this stuff means? Do they understand what Bitcoin is? Like everything is always, that's why it's like, it, I think it's stupid um, to say something is priced in because that is the price. You know, like the yeah. uh, the price of staplers um, that, you know, the, I don't know, say whatever you want about anything, that's that's priced into the price of staplers. You know, yeah, there unless there's a be, significant portion of the population who doesn't even understand what a stapler is, and once they find it out that it can, they can keep your papers together, the price is going to go way up, assuming production doesn't keep up with it. Yeah. Yeah, just imagine imagine that half the population didn't know what staplers were, and they would be really, and really we were, valuable. We, we were making staplers at capacity, so you could not add any more staplers. Right, and they, if they had staplers, it would make such a huge difference in their lives. And we were telling them about the staplers, and so they knew staples exist, staplers existed. They just but they keep didn't telling re- us about paper clips. Right, and they really didn't care like y- yes that would it's that knowledge is priced in but it doesn't mean that like <laughs> doesn't mean they're not going to get the knowledge eventually right it, it's just it's ah it's like a midwit kind of uh talking point it is makes you sound think you sound smart but it's just it's ah it's just saying words that don't need to be said it's a waste of time so, I hope that Jeremy sees the light and, you know, gets not sad anymore and... and yeah, get happy. Work. Yeah, just appreciates what Bitcoin is a little bit more and prices himself in. <laughs> so, he can take advantage of it because, I mean, if he's you know he's a, a free state guy up in New Hampshire and, and Bitcoin could do a lot of wonderful things for them up there. And for people fighting the evils and terribleness of government in general. So, yeah, I hope these people figure it out. And, um, you know, just get, just shed this, you know, the big blocker, um, you know, altcoin scam mentality of like, oh, it's got to have that killer app for it to do something. What's going to make people want to use it? It's like what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when I listened to that Bitcoin Cash podcast, and they were still like trying to figure out like, I think they were coming talking about like some social media service yeah. where they're saying this is going to be the the killer app that's going to drive adoption. It's like, well, how about the thing that drives adoption is just what the actual purpose for the thing is. So. 
We'll see. I'm hopeful. Like what? So, yeah, the news. <coughs> so, happy new year, everyone. Yeah. I hope you, uh, it's a leap year, too, so you got an extra day. You get to <coughs> enjoy 2024 even more than 2023. Yes. So, all right. Well, let you go. We've been going on and on enough. So, show notes page for this episode is mcflugel.com slash 390. And uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. Peace.